Welcome to Life Planning 101, brought to you by Kennedy Financial Services in Eastland, Texas. Tune in every week as we share important information to help you and your family live life on purpose. Insurance, investments, legacy and tax planning, and much more. All covered now on Life Planning 101. Hi, this is Matt Irvin with Kennedy Financial Services here on another episode of Black and White Market Chatter right here on Life Planning 101. Today, myself with Aaron Kennedy, our in-house CFA, and we have a special guest, Chance Stevenson, with us, uh, summer intern. We got him involved a little bit today, so we're excited to have him. Aaron, this is kind of a, a reoccurring theme that we're talking about, this inflation, and contrary to what we might see on the news today, inflation does still exist. Yes. You know, there's been a huge amount of repricing over about the last six weeks or so. All the narratives that we have, exponential commodity growth, it's kind of slowing down a little bit, and we welcome it. It was pretty scary seeing lumber, seeing steel, seeing copper all just go through the roof. The demand's still there. The demand's still there. You know, nothing's really changed on our inflation outlook. You know, we still have that three-legged stool where we're having supply constraints. We have the reopening of our economy, and we have the printer at the Treasury just going, just spinning stuff out as fast as can. It hasn't (laughs) changed. It never ends. Right. So none of, none of that's really happened, but prices have been coming down pretty exponential. Uh, Chance, what, what was that drop, you know, from the peak of lumber? You know, it was sometime around, you know, May 7th, May 9th, something like that. What was that, the height of the, the market price? Yeah, so kind of when I was looking at it today, um, from the start of this year up to the peak, it was up 133%. Wow. And then we had that spike, and it, it dropped almost 45%. But even still today, lumber's up 26% from year to date. Uh, still up 26, down from a high of 130. I don't. <sighs> I still don't like paying 26% more than I did at the beginning of the year. And that's even still, what, 100% higher than if we look back pre-COVID into 2020. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the commodity prices are through the roof, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just lumber. All the things that you can think of that drive an economy. Building blocks. Building blocks. You know, What do you need if you're going to build a, a skyscraper or a home or a car? You know, we need, we need copper. We need steel. We need tin. We need lumber. You know, all these things. And they're all doing the same thing, which is going straight up. Not to mention gasoline, oil. It's been insane. You know, if you look at gasoline, that is one of the things that dang near everybody uses. Unless you just never leave the house. Because believe it or not, even if you take a bus or a train or whatever it is, they're still using fuel. And that still uh, still goes into your cost. What's gasoline up year to date? Uh, it's looking about 80, 85% year to date, and then <laughs> oil's following that at about 50%. I don't know who all is listening right now, but uh, South Padres kind of a vacation getaway for Texans, and that is golly, 10 hours away from here. Fuel going up 88% or whatever that was doesn't really make me want to jump in a car, and I would never do that anyway. But <laughs> Well, if you were worried about 
you know, your job at all this last year just because uh, you got a little bit of a, a savings now doesn't mean you want to spend twice the vacation budget no. as you were. You're not feeling near as we're still in that little bit of a caveman stage, yes. right? We're not hoarding, but we're just getting a little bit more confident. But talk to me a little bit about what caused that big drop in commodity prices because it's been pretty recent. Yeah, right? it's been extremely recent. We've seen some countries try to forcibly reduce the price. You know, China has come out and uh, they started selling all their strategic reserves. China has strategic reserves just like the United States. I think the one that most people are familiar with is the U.S.'s strategic reserve of oil. And when that hits the news of them uh, reducing their, their supply, it's a big deal because there's lots of money involved. In China, they're emptying out their bucket. You know, they're selling off their copper. They're selling off their steel. They're selling, trying to put as much supply in the market as possible. You know, everything that we do here at Black and White is based off of supply and demand. Whether it's a stock, whether it's a bond, whether it's a, you know, some rolled steel. So you said something earlier about what could be a security issue. Because if America sold off every ounce of excess they had and there was nothing left over, we have to buy that back and replenish that at some time. So it's dropping like a rock now, but at some point, those cheaper goods, although still inflated for the year, are going to be bought back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, China's made the news over and over again about how much of this raw material that they've been buying. And they will get it back. If they're emptying their bucket, you know, to sell all this up to get prices down, well, they're going to fill it back up. They want the ability to grow at any time, regardless of what the rest of the globe is doing. So we're going to see them turn around and buy back all their copper, you know, all their other materials. So this little stunt that they're pulling right now, it's like they're trying to take the wind out of the sails of the commodity market. Yeah. And so this is, uh, it's kind of interesting because you think about it from just like a big picture perspective of China's trying to control the market. So it's not unlike what the Fed's been doing through the last call it what's 18 to 24 supporting the you know the interest rate market and we want to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about the the fed meeting this week and some of the things going on with it so right here on black and white market chatter with life planning 101 be right back Here we are, this Matt Irvin with Aaron Kennedy and our special guest, Chance Stevenson, for the next leg of our black and white market chatter on Life Planning 101. want to dive back in right back to the Fed speak of the week. So, Aaron, what did we hear from the Fed this week on our Fed meeting? We didn't hear enough to warrant what happened in the market. You know, I think Fed came out and said, what were they going to do, Chance? Uh, They were expecting two more interest rate hikes by the end of 2023. 2023, two interest rate hikes, and going back in history as any precedent, that's going to be two quarter of a percent or two half percent moves depending on how much inflation we have. 
I looked at the 10-year Treasury today. We're sitting at about 1.52% on a 10-year Treasury. So if that's, that spread stays the same from the Fed funds, where does that put us? We're going to get our interest rates all the way up to 2%. What bank is that breaking? Or what corporation, if they're raising lending costs to one and a half to two percent, right? So me and Matt always, uh, when we talk uh, about Fed fund meetings and all that, it, it doesn't matter what they say. You know, we're not looking for what they say. We're looking at changes from last time, and they say it's either. I mean, we're going to change an and to an if or an or to a than. You know, something silly, and that's what the market's really trying to pick up on. And yeah, tell me what so, um, Jerome says. We, uh, I, I got a, a piece of the Q&A section of the, the Fed funds, and um, pre-meeting, some of the, the main economists and money managers were saying, you know, this is the meeting where they're going to start talking about, talking about, changing the or, or easing the quantitative easing and, and quit buying so many bonds back and so i don't know if jerome got rattled in, in the q a but he said so basically this is the meeting where we talked about talking about you know reducing the quantitative easing and so he got kind of a chuckle out of that because you know that's just it they didn't come out with a lot of clarity you heard the two bumps the one shift though they were talking about inflation this time, and unemployment wasn't as big of a, a thing in the past. Inflation wasn't a big thing, and unemployment was their focus. So there was a there was a slight change, but even with the slight change, still no clarity. Still no clarity. Who knows what in the world's going on? I think the most this is the most important thing that's going to come out of this in the, the near future is the market. We're going to figure out how important that market is compared to the Fed. Because it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how much we increase interest rates. The market is going to dictate pricing. And this is so important. You know, with the QE, we've been basically the largest purchaser of our own goods. You know, or not goods, but treasuries. We're moving dollars from our right hand to our left and then saying we're doing a good job by taking them right back, left to right. Took a little bit of risk off. Yeah. Right? That's what kind it, of... It stabilized prices. It was a wonderful thing. We didn't see the bond market crash. Um, so it was very important. But what I kind of want to wrap our heads around is the main narrative of the market has been that we're going to have inflation and we're going to have a weakening dollar. So two points to make on this. Back to the QE and the repurchasing of our assets. What happens when the Fed steps away and we quit buying our assets and nobody turns around and bids for us? So go back to the commodity conversation. When China flooded the market, what happened? Prices dropped. Yeah. So what's the U.S. been doing? We've been keeping the price of our treasuries are officially high. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yield late on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. We've been keeping them high cuz they have been the demand and the supply. But if nobody turns around and starts picking up that dollar or starts buying those treasuries, you know, the price has got to come down far enough for somebody to pick up that bid. 
You know, uh, me and Chance were talking earlier, and this is like, at what point does that happen? You know, if I have a $100 treasury and I don't want it, you know, what do you do if I push the price down to 99? Do you buy it? You know, what about 98? Do you buy it? At what point does it have to go down before someone starts snatching up those treasuries? And, and that's scary. Well, and it's kind of difficult to tell at this point, right? Yeah. So some of the biggest pension funds globally for the different countries are getting out of the U.S. dollar. Yes. So now there's less and less people out there waving their hand that they want some. Yeah, that's, you know, th- this is a bigger story, and we, we probably need to do an, a, a complete podcast on this. But, you know, if anybody knows anything about the petrodollar system, the dollar has been artificially high for a long time because we've created demand for it because all of our energy prices are priced in dollars. So uh, this is way out there, but what if Tesla takes over the world and we don't need those dollars? What if everything goes to electric or you know hydro or what? And nobody needs the dollar. What happens? What happens to the greenback? No, that's. Does it become wind-based? Is that yeah, what you're yeah, saying? Or, yeah. or solar-based? Doesn't. <laughs> but that's the story of the dollar right now, and I think it's very important. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the Fed does, whether they raise interest rates or lower interest rates. When they start taking the foot off the gas pedal and nobody, no one takes their spot to start buying back, we're going to see some movement. And it's going to be very, very difficult to stop. And that's going to be a real test for the market to see what happens when we start easing this this repurchase program. And we, we've talked a lot about it that we can't we can't stop. And no. so there's going to be a place we have to pick back up and and to be determined on where that is, yeah. right? How far down does it go? But Aaron, I want to take another quick little break here. And we'll do one back here in just a moment. So this, again, uh, taking a short break, black and white, uh, market chatter right here on Life Planning 101. And here we are back for the final segment of this this podcast, Black and White Market Chatter, right here on Life Planning 101. Aaron, we're getting into the last bit. Um, we're a little bit overheated, right? We got a little bit overheated, and that's why some of this is pulled back from inflation. So talk to me a, bit, a little bit about that. Before we get there, I want to take a step back. When we were talking about the repurchase program and nobody turns around and starts buying our treasuries, I want to take the other side of that. This narrative that we have to have a weakening dollar because of our inflation problems, it's not our problem. <laughs> you know, around the globe, we're still seeing it. You know, back to our, our very first part of the show, China's stepping in and selling because they have the same pressures. Europe, the euro, um, all of it. What if we're all in this boat together? And currency, tell me about currency. It's mine against yours. Right. It's all the goods. We go back to our island story and our coconuts and our, our uh, what do we call the, the Roman with the silver coins last yeah. last podcast. It's all of the monetary supply versus all the goods. Yes. And on a currency level, 
Currencies are always relative to something else. You know, the dollar can strengthen against the euro and weaken against the yen. And we have all these relationships across the world. And typically, when we have inflation problems in one country, you know, it weakens that dollar or that currency so anybody else around the world can buy that same good. But if we're all printing, if we're all doing QE, we're relatively all in the same boat of, oh my God, what are we doing? So it's not a given that the dollar will actually weaken against anything. It can stay where it is. And that market tool to help curb inflation goes away. So it's all relative. It's all relative. So we can absolutely have a stable U.S. dollar value and an inflation problem. Because I, I do believe this, this is global. This is around the world. Prices are going up. And if that stays true, we do not have to have a weakening dollar. So what does that mean? So we have to get some sort of comfortable with this inflationary environment until... When you said it the other day, what's a natural defender against inflation and its increasing technology to become more efficient? Yes. So we're in kind of a rising interest rate environment or an inflationary environment, a little bit uncomfortable, but still going back to our last theme of, you know, if we don't act, I, I say irrationally, we've already done that as, a, as an economy. So if we don't act completely irrationally as an economy, we do have an opportunity to grow out of this because everybody's in the same boat. We're all trying to pull ourselves up from the bootstraps and get yeah. started. And um, there was not a, a localized pandemic. It was a global pandemic. The world was affected, okay? So it's got to get That's, after it. We just got to get after it. And, you know, back to that point, you know, Inflating our dollars fixes our U.S. debt problem faster than anything else. If we look out 20 years from now and our inflation is twice as what it is today, guess what our debt is? Half. Half! Yeah, so what a great way to get out of this problem by inflating our dollars. But it's going to be so painful for me and you and every other consumer out there. It's not going to be fun. And to your point of technology, that's the trend, okay? That is the trend for the rest of Earth. You know, the rest of the human um, population is technology is going to continue to push prices down. And we've said this before, is this inflation problem that we're in right now, I don't like the word transitory because that sounds like it's a weekly thing or a monthly thing. Temporary. You know? Yeah. We are going to get a repricing of everything that we buy and sell. And then the absolute natural force of technology will put us right back on that deflationary trend. And that's the trade is when, when do you do that? You know, when do you say, okay, inflation is done, you know, let's get back to normal and prices will be going down from here on out because we're ordering from a kiosk, you know, or everything that we do is on our iPhone. The pressure long term is prices down. Prices down. So, so right now 
We're a little bit defensive. We're still in hard assets. We like that. Still like gold, although it's come off the last week. It didn't look as well. No. But still, gold is a, a strong place to be in the current place, and we like it. We like inflation protection at this time. Mm-hmm. And you got, got to remember, buying equities actually is a great way to fight inflation over the long term. Uh, companies usually do better than uh, the real rate across the globe. So that's a great way to combat that. Just with the volatility of the market and all this stuff that we're talking about, it's just going to increase that volatility until we can figure out how it all plays out. And who knows when it is? Do we get through with this and everything's back to normal in 2023, 2022? Or does the market balk at us sometime in that? And we got we have this huge repricing? Well, the, the market's driving all of this, and you, you mentioned it before, and I won't go back there too far, but the market's driving what the Fed's going to do. They're driving what we're going to do, you know, and a lot of that's depicted by the speed of information. Yes. You hear a lot, of the, a lot of the managers, a lot of the economists saying the same things, and, and what's interesting is, is the news tries to control that narrative. We all know that. That's not a surprise, but, you know, when we looked at the... The news absolutely supported the Fed's decision 100%. Yes. Doesn't mean it's reality. What we see is so different, and what that's what people are concerned about is they want to make that trade. You shouldn't fight the Fed, so we got to find a sweet spot. So you know, we're trying to stay hard assets, inflation protected, but still let it run a little bit if it needs to. And the yes. way we can do that, like what? get your risk right, stay hooked, stay focused, get your goals and objectives in place. We're not busting our disciplines here. We're letting no, the data drive. Absolutely not. It's not a fun ride, but we got to stay disciplined. Everybody needs to get the risk right. Everybody needs to get an idea of what this market can and will do. And you need to be in position that you're not reacting from, you know, a complete allocation standpoint. You know, you need to be comfortable. And that's why we spend so much time thinking about risk because uh, if you need to put risk control on, you know, because something happened, you're too late. You're way too late. If you saw it on the news, it's too late. Yes, absolutely right. So get with your advisor, um, talk to somebody that you trust and, uh, you know, get your risk right. If you'd like us to help or, or for our clients, we have some risk tools um, on our website. Some great um, tools on the website. If you don't know what your risk is, you can go to uh, kennedy-financial.com. Use some of our tools to to see what your risk is. We can help you get it right. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, Aaron, I thank you for your time today with Black and White Market Chatter right here on Life Planning 101. If there's anything we can do, please let us know. We're here to serve you guys. Uh, again, thank you. God bless. Yeah, everybody have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Life Planning 101, brought to you by Kennedy Financial Services. If you have questions, you can email them to lifeplanning at kennedy-financial.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more Life Planning 101.
Advisory services offered through Smart Money Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Calton & Associates, Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, Kennedy Financial Services, Incorporated, Calton & Associates, Incorporated, and Smart Money Group, LLC are separate entities.